Barbara has a special this time. Why do I love God? You may ask me. What do I have in common with Him? How does flesh and bone relate to the Holy? The only way I can explain is this God so loves me Father's love to me requiring nothing yet giving everything God so loves me that's was lost in the dark he came seeking to show his heart he sought to find no way a rugged cross of perfect love did his speaking so much more than a million words could say Love. 
have been awesome this morning. I know Barbara appreciates so much your help in the choir and to see the extra work and many of you stepping up. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And if, uh, of course, if you picked up a bulletin, just follow right along in the bulletin uh, with the message. If you found your place there, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, and just as a uh, our honor and respect of having uh, a literal copy of the Word of God to read, uh, many of us take this for granted. I know sometimes I do. The Word of God says in Hebrews 12, now in the bulletin it says 1 through 2, we're going to read through verse 3, so it's not that long, but very important. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, I lift this portion of your word up before you today, help us that we would listen to your Holy Spirit and let you guide us, especially when we're weary, especially whenever we are burdened down. Father, I pray that you would lift this burden, any burdens that we carry, and that you would help us through any storms that we face. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and, and listening and reading a portion of God's Word. Uh, it's always important to read God's Word every day. I just thank you for being here. I know there's a lot going on, a lot happening uh, in 
today. Yes, it is Memorial Day, and I had in the introduction a part about Memorial. I was looking at some different illustrations and different things about Memorial Day, and they're always good. I'm very patriotic. I'm uh, uh, Brother Norman and I, I know, and many others are, we just get all worked up when it comes to patriotism, our country. I think about the love that I have for our country and that you have, many of you, our country is not the same as it used to be. It is changing, and not always for the good. Uh, you know, our culture is changing. There's still a lot of patriots. I love to reminisce. I was visiting with Brother Adrian this week as um, he's laying in the hospital bed, and I was asking him about his days in the service. And uh, there's just not too many World War II veterans around. I uh, asked Brother Roger here a while back. I was visiting with him and about his days on, he served in the Navy in the Pacific and, uh, he was talking about being a machine gunner on one of those boats and those Japanese kamikaze pilots would come barreling in on his ship. And he was talking about shooting down Japanese zeros. And I'm just sitting there enthralled trying to imagine that in my mind. And he said, uh, I said, but you, you, and I said this statement. I said, well, Brother Roger, I'm so glad that God brought you home. And he, it was kind of, he was, his, his eyes were up toward the ceiling while he was discussing that. And when I made that statement, his eyes come back to me. And Brother Roger said, but many of us didn't make it home. Great, that's what Memorial Day is all about. Many of them didn't make it home. Many of them paid the ultimate price. Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C. is, if it's not full, it's getting very close to being full. They were talking about the date whenever they would run out of spots in the current uh, acreage that they have now. Uh, full of veterans that have paid the ultimate price. You know, Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. And, you know, I think about that we have a memorial. And if you back up a little ways, just head on back before Psalms and this little book called Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Just head on back before Job. Head on back there to Nehemiah chapter 2. This is a very neat verse. To me it is anyway. It talks about a memorial. And basically this. And in the introduction I put, do you have a memorial? In Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17. Now, first of all, before I begin reading this, this is about the Jewish people and their return back to their homeland. Nehemiah was leading one of these returns of from being slaves in another land, and they're coming home. They're rebuilding their home. It'd be kind of like uh, many of you have experienced homecoming. And some of you uh, are here today, and you, you're kind of coming home, if you will. They're going back, and they're fixing up the old house place, if you will, if you want to put it that way. They're repairing the town. The town is in shambles. The town of Jerusalem is in shambles. They're repairing and some of the locals don't like it. 
Now these locals, if you will, there's always been people around the Jews that didn't like the Jews. And, uh, of course, the two most famous uh, derogatory people of Nehemiah, Sanballat, and uh, Ephesus and speak up, and Tobiah, and uh, he's, and he, we're fixing to see them. Then I, then said I unto them, this is Nehemiah speaking, first person, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that will be no more reproach. Then I told them of the good hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, well, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I to them and said unto them, and I imagine he's saying this through clenched teeth, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. You have no right to say what you're saying. You know, and as I put here, first of all, in the rest of the introduction, people who are not saved are critical of God's work. People who are not saved do not have a memorial. What is our memorial today, I put? Well, our memorial is the cross. I, that's our memorial. That's what we think of. You know, and we say, why do, you know, and I think about, why do I have a right to preach? Why does the choir have a right to sing? Why do I have a right to rejoice? Why do you have a right to say, I love the Lord because you're saved. Why are you saved? Because of the cross. So you have a memorial. That's our memorial. When we see a cross in the Arlington National Cemetery, when we see a cross on a decorative soldier, it represents death or an ultimate price that was paid. And that's what it represented in Jesus' day. And that's what it should represent to you, a death that gave us freedom or life. So I have a right. I have a memorial. I can say I love Jesus, but many times when when people like Sanballat and Tobiah and looking at these people here, they criticize the work of God because they didn't even know it was the work of God because they didn't know God. Many people today criticize the work of God because they don't know God and they have no memorial, no right. If we're going to run this race, and it is a race, the race is just a metaphor for, for our Christian life. And back in our text, it says here, we're seeing we're surpassed with a so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside all of this, run with patience the race that is set before us. That Hebrews 12.1 is an awesome verse. It's a great verse. We're running a race. And by the way, this race is not a sprint. This race is a marathon. It's a long race. Many of you have been running this marathon longer than I've been alive. 
It's a long race. It's a race till God says, you're finished. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. When He said it's finished, His part was over with. And He got to come back in a glorified body and and uh, give a few last-minute instructions, and that was just great. But his part of the race was done. He paid the price. It, the work, His work was over with. Now he was getting that church that was in existence then, he, giving them their last-minute instructions and their orders, and that same set of instructions is are what we're following today. We're following the same exact instructions as they received. So if we're going to run this race, number one, you can't run a race till you start a race. Uh, God's blessed me and been able to try to get back in shape. Ran the world-famous Armadillo Festival 5K race this past May. I was just wanting to do one thing. Keep up with Caleb. Hmm. But that 14-year-old ran off and left his dad. Can you believe that? Can you believe that he would do such a thing? Ran off and left me in the dust. I couldn't even get, keep up with Kevin Pennington. And uh, have mercy. I tried to keep up with him. Couldn't. Fortunately, at least Caleb beat Kevin. But, you know, a race. But guess what? Whenever they started that race, pow! The gun went off! you got to go. Many people will not even begin the race. It's a decision. You have to make a decision. It's your choice. You don't. I mean, many people don't get in the race because they don't want in the race. It is a choice. It's your choice to run this race or not. You know, I love the famous last words that the Apostle Paul, many of you know them. And uh, just back up just a couple of pages in 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul, these were some of his last words. He said this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Famous last words from Paul. Well, if we're going to run a race, the next part is that we're going to have to strive. You know there's going to be obstacles in this race, and, and, uh, and I mentioned them already. In verse 1, again, it's a race. We know that. But there's a phrase. Let us, if we're going to run a race, and by the way, I love this. It's uh, many of you uh, down through the years. How many of you uh, have, let, let me see a show of hands. How many of you have ever started a diet? Lift your hand. Come on, be honest, be honest. Have you ever started a diet? Yes, yeah, some of you, okay, yeah. Some of you are like, oh, that's too much. Uh, diet, hey, this is exercise. I'm just trying to help you out, okay? All right, we've started a diet. Oh, that's kind of like a race in itself. And here, I don't want it. You know, there's two kinds of conviction, brother Jimmy. The kind of conviction the Lord brings, and I can get you under conviction just talking about diets, you know. And uh, but that's personal conviction, okay? Well, and looking at this here, he's about to say, "Let us lay aside every weight of," and it's talking about sin. 
And in the King James it says, which doth so easily beset us. In other words, it hinders you, it weighs you down. This is Now think about this, think about this. How many things, oh and by the way, how many of you have ever done this? I'll start a diet Monday. Yeah, y'all are just grinning. You're, that's the way you affirm me this morning. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Brother Michael. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Monday, procrastination. So in beginning this diet, in beginning this race, using that metaphor, and we got, oh, we've got to work. You mean, you know that second point, what is it? Strive. It means literally, did you know that there's going to be hindrances any time, whether it's a little race or whether it's a... Uh, a figurative race, or whether it's a Christian life, folks, there's a sand ballot, there's a, there's a Tobiah, there's somebody that's going to be critical of you, somebody is going to say something to hurt your feelings, somebody is going to say something to upset you, but it's always, always think about this, as long as you're in this flesh, it's a, going to be a battle. As long as you're in this flesh, you're going to have problems. Every one of us are going to struggle. The word strive means that you're going to have actually have to put forth effort. There's work involved. Many of us don't want to strive. But who's our prize? I mean, Paul said, my prize, I'm reaching for Jesus. He's my prize. It's going to be hard work. And there's going to be, now that you know what your goal is, This morning, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there's somebody here that's struggling with a sin, and that sin is hindering you from this race. Every one of us are struggling with sin because you're in the flesh, but I... There's something that some of you are thinking of right now. There's something that's keeping you from following the Lord. Now, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice that you're saved. But you can be saved and not running the race. You can be sitting on the bench criticizing everybody else in the race. You can be uh, saved and backslidden. I don't ever how you want to describe it. You're saved, but you're you're... I mean, looking at this, there's two encouragements. Number one, it says, seeing we're compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, there's other people that have run the race before you. And then it also says, the verse three that I left off of the text, but we read. And then he says, think about Jesus. He didn't deserve death. That's so great a contradiction. A perfect person took on sin. Yours and mine. Lest, and he did that for me and for you. And then it says, why? Why did he do that? You need to be encouraged. Lest you be wearied and give up. Faint. Old English for you get, man, I've, I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. No more. But that's your flesh talking. You're giving up. You're quitting. That's one of the things that, in my culture, being raised in uh, loving sports, I've always loved sports and been able 
fortunately been physically able to compete. So I grew up thinking quitting is a no-no. And in the Christian life, it's the same way. That's the, that's the worst thing you can do. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to mess up, have down times. Get, it's not that you get knocked down. It's that you get back up. We're all going to get knocked down. Well, there's weights that slow us down. And as I was sitting in my office going over this outline and thinking about this, and I thought about, you know, and I put five things in the bulletin. Now, there's a gazillion. <laughs> Y'all would not want to see that bulletin. Miss Denise not, would not want to type that bulletin. But there's a gazillion things I could have put in the list. Now, think about it. Now, I just put this. These are things that every one of you and I battle every day. Number one, jealousy. <clears throat> I've seen... It doesn't matter. From the pulpit to the pew. I've seen preachers have jealousy. I've seen everyday church members have jealousy. I've seen deacons have jealousy. I've seen Sunday school teachers have jealousy. Everybody. Jealousy. Envy. Those things, every, every time that comes up, knock that dog in the head. You know. <laughs> Just say, that, that's... Hey, every one of us, you will have it come up. You will have it come up. But just say, I don't need to do that. I don't need to be that way. If you're, I put that out of your mind. Now it's going to happen. It's going to come up in your brain and you're thinking, oh, I'm so jealous. Oh, I'm so envious. When you want something somebody else has or notoriety or listen to me, most of the time, especially in small towns, country churches, most people, if somebody gets credit or somebody gets attention or somebody gets this, and, and um, automatically we think jealousy whenever you should be thinking, I'm glad God has blessed them. And they're getting... Let, let, matter of fact, Paul said it, this church would be busting these walls down if every one of us lifted somebody else up. And that's in Philippians 2. Bitterness toward people or toward the past or resentment toward people and the past. It's our flesh that hangs on to the past. This church... The only thing the past is good for is to learn from. That's learn from. You can think about the good times, but if you hang on to the past too tight, guess what? You will stay there in the past. You will live in the past. You cannot live in the past. Matter of fact, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the only day we can serve Him. Can't serve the Lord in the past. <laughs> And then lastly, a lack of love for others. Oh, you want me to give you a real quick country boy definition of this? The only people that have a lack of love for others is the people who are too in love with themselves. Because we care more about our own feelings than the feelings of others, or our own desires than the desires of others, or what we want rather than the want of others. And that just means that we love ourselves. The Bible has a lot to say about that. 
It does. Well, you have to start, you have to strive, and you need to seek or have to seek either one. Verse 2 of our text, it says, looking, who do we need to seek? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I love this, and I put it in the bulletin. I don't know if I read it, heard it, made it up. I don't know where it came from, but I'll just put it out there for you. Jesus was at the beginning of your race, and he'll be at the end. Oh, by the, you say, well, what do you mean by that, Brother Michael? I, when you got saved, he was at the beginning of your race. When he calls you home, he'll be at the end of your race. Ain't no lie. <laughs> Excuse my English, but it ain't no lie. Go to Acts chapter 7. This is be the next to the last passage, and we'll have a hymn of invitation here in just a second. But, of course, this famous sermon by a young man, probably younger than I am right now. The Bible just says Stephen was uh, one of the seven, we think, fit the pattern of deacon, and even though... The, Acts does not call him that. The seven men fit that qualification. Now, after Stephen and, you know, Philip both worked miracles. They did a lot of preaching. And so they were very qualified. They were ordained, but they weren't apostles. They were just men that, you know, basically this. There were uh, a bunch of people in the church, and they said, Preacher, you're not taking care of all the widows. And uh, they said, Well, we can preach the Word of God, or we can wait on tables. All right, we shouldn't leave the Word of God in prayer, so we need some helpers. So they elected seven guys to help them. And these guys rose to the task to help the apostles. Stephen said, you know what? The people in my community, they don't get it. My own countrymen, my own kinfolks don't get it. And he preached a sermon that is unbelievable. It lasts through verse 53. And verse 54 says that his own people in promised land in Hamburg, that would be our area, they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they started biting Stephen. Now, that's not an amen. (laughs) That's an oh me. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God. I'm in Acts 7:55, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And I love his last phrase of his life, the very last verse of that chapter. He said, "Lord, lay not this sin to their charge." The same God who saved him. Well, let me rephrase that. The same Savior that saved him welcomed him home. 
And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus whenever he said this. He said, stop worrying and seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these things, your needs, will be added unto you. Isn't that great? That's a powerful passage. Run the race. It's a long race. Oh, by the way, you never know when God's going to call you home, so your race may be long, it may be short, but don't give up. And if you fall down, say, Lord, would you please help me back up? I don't need to quit. And not, not because Michael Reese said so, talking about athletics and pride, and I don't want to see people call me a quitter. Do it because you love the Lord. Don't give up because you love Jesus. Not because you don't want to be called a quitter. That's not the right reason. I love the Lord, therefore I'm not going to quit. He never quit on me. I won't quit on Him. As we prepare for Him invitation, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, thank You for this time. Thank You for the reminders in Your Word, the encouragement in Your Word to not quit, to not give up, to lay aside the... And really and truly, dear Lord, we need help with the sin that discourages us, the sin that makes us stumble, the sin that causes us to look away from You. Father, help us to... Look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, for encouragement that we would just strive and and not be weighed down with the world. And to give those things to you, those burdens that we carry, in Jesus' name, amen.